I'm Batman. The name's Bond. James Bond. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. There's no place like home. hospital for a year when I was a kid. All the doctors said I should give up sports. Where do you think you're going, young man? The Olympics. You better take this. Put your medals in. Thanks, Mum. For as long as I can remember, it has been my ambition to become an Olympian. Yeah. Eddie, you are not an athlete. I just needed to find the right sport. Britain hasn't had a ski jumper since 1929. I'm going to be a ski jumper. He's going to break his neck. I'm going to break his neck. The time to start jumping is when you're five or six. I heard you were a champion, so I was thinking maybe you could give me a few tips. Give up. There's one for free. Watch this guy, number two in the world. And he knew what he was doing. It's not actually going to jump, is it? You're not going to give up, are you? You want your moment, Eddie? You've got to do this for real. Our strategy will best be described as ugly but effective. The Olympics is associated with certain qualities, excellence, achievement. They have no desire to associate with defeat. You're a disgrace to the sport. Good. Personal best, and we're a disgrace! Mr. Edwards. Your jump doesn't count. Because you just changed the rules. Don't I have a right to represent my country? No. My dream's turned into a nightmare. It's a world that doesn't want to know you. So what's new? The British Olympic Association is trying to stop me. I have to do this. The press all want to hear your story. I was kicked off every team I was ever on before I even got a chance to prove myself. I take jumping very seriously. Nearly as much as proving people wrong. Where do you think you're going? The Olympics. I thought you might need this. It's higher than you jumped before. Faster than you've gone before. You can break bones. You're lucky if you can walk again. As your coach, I think you're crazy. But as your friend, fly. You're Eddie the Eagle. Eddie the Eagle is a film based on the true life story of Michael Edwards, a kid they called Eddie, and he was a little kid with a big dream. Eddie wanted to become an Olympian athlete. The only problem is nobody ever thought he could do it. As a matter of fact, his own father would tell him over and over that he was no athlete, and it was true. Others would look at him and all they would see is this 
odd, skinny, awkward little boy without an athletic bone in his body. He wore these Coke-sized bottled glasses, and he was, you know, skinny and, you know, just awkward when he walked. As a matter of fact, as a child, he he wore braces on his knees, and, and his doctor said that, quote, he ought to take up reading and drop the idea of becoming an athlete. Nobody thought he could become an Olympian. His mom called him determined. As a matter of fact, she gave him this little tin box to hold his medals that he would one day win. But his father just called him obsessed, obsessed with a dream that would never become a reality. Early on in the film, we see young Eddie making a go at becoming an Olympian. He he kind of sets himself in the training. It was sort of funny because he would he would fail. He would try something and he would he would fail and he would fail and he would fail again. But he would dust himself off and try again. He was determined to make the Olympics. By the age of 20, he decided that skiing would be his sport of choice. And even though he developed some some pretty good skills at skiing, he wasn't quite good enough to make the British Olympic team. But there was one sporting category that he thought he had a chance. You see, Britain hadn't had a competitive long ski jumper uh, since 1929, and, and he thought he could do it. And he still had four years to prepare for the 1988 Olympics. Now, most long ski jumpers, competitive ski jumpers, they begin jumping at the age of about six. And most people realize that it was a very dangerous sport. I mean, you throw yourself uh, down a 90 meter ramp at about 70 miles an hour and you just launch into the air. It is a crazy dangerous sport, especially for a newcomer. But Eddie seemed to embrace the impossible. You don't tell a guy like Eddie that it is impossible. We're gonna learn that Eddie Edwards achieved what everyone else thought was impossible. And that's my hope for you, that God would inspire you to achieve what everyone else thinks that cannot be done. My hope is, is that you'll be inspired to become what everyone else thinks you cannot become. You know, Eddie had all kinds of things that stood in his way. He, you know, he was quirky, he was odd, he was, you know, not the athletic build at all. As a matter of fact, doctors told him he would barely walk, let alone become an Olympian athlete. But like most successful people, Eddie did not let what others say stand in his way of success. When is it all going to end, young man? When I become an Olympian. Oh, I see. Send a night to your dad. Night, dad. No, no, son. Night, Mom. So what do you want out of life? What do you want to do that others say that you cannot do? What do you want to become that others say that, that you cannot become? We're going to let Eddie's story and God's word drive a new way of thinking into us. We're going to learn some principles, some things that you need to do in order to do what others say that you cannot do. Now we're going to grab these principles from a man named Pastor Craig Groeschel and they're right out of the scriptures, but Pastor Craig has taught about this idea of overcoming the impossible in your life and we're going to borrow some of his principles because I think they apply not only to this movie, not only to this series, but I think they apply to our lives. So five principles to become more than what people think that you can become. And the first principle is this, 
that if you're gonna do what other people say that you cannot do, the first principle is that you need a clear and compelling vision. Someone once said that where your focus goes, your energy will flow. And that's why we need a clear and compelling vision. What do you want to do? What do you want to become? What is your dream? Greatness can never be achieved when you are distracted. You cannot achieve anything if you have everything going on. If you're reaching toward a million things, you will never grab a hold of the one thing, the one thing that you're really supposed to grab a hold of in this life. You need a clear and compelling vision. I don't know what's stirring inside of you. I don't know what God is calling you to, but I know that God is moving in you. I know that God is, is calling you to your next step. I know that God wants to take you somewhere that you are not at right now. I heard a guy recently tell me that, that he and his wife, they, they want to adopt. I, I had another couple tell me recently that, that they would like to foster a child, you know, bring a child into their home temporarily to, to lift that child up. You cannot achieve anything without a clear and compelling vision. I, I had another guy tell me that, that he wants to, to, to get his financial act together so that he can give more generously to the work of God in this world, even through our little church. I have, I have a son who, who wants to create music that the world's going to sing. That's his vision. I have a daughter who one day wants to lead at very high levels in, in this thing we call ministry. She wants to help lead people in their next Next steps with God. What, what is your vision? What is God calling you to? I, I talked to a couple recently that, that says they want to get their marriage together, that they want it to work and to work well, and they're tired of the struggles and they're tired of the disappointment, and they want to elevate their game. They want to have, have a marriage that, that people can look toward as, as an example of what it means to be a marriage that honors God. I had another person that, that told me recently that, that they want to preach, that they want to lead people to Christ, that they want to, they want to do uh, ministry at a high level. They want to follow Jesus in such a way that it would inspire other people to follow Jesus. What is your clear and compelling vision? Your life needs to start there. It's the very first principle to becoming all that God has called you to become. What is it that God is stirring in you? What is shaping inside of you? What, what, what is the vision that God has given to you for your life? One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is, is Proverbs 29, 18. It says, where there is no vision, where there is no goal, where there is no dream, where there is no vision, the people will perish. What is it? What is it that, that God is calling you to that others think cannot be done in you? You need a clear and compelling vision. Ski jumping is probably the most spectacular of all the alpine disciplines. A majestic, gravity-defying mix of power, balance, and daredevil courage. And more than a few bruises. As Icarus and Sir Isaac Newton both discovered, what goes up must come down. In the world-famous training camp at Garmisch in Germany, you'll find the world's elite ski jumpers, such as the Flying Finn, Matty Nuganen, showing how it's really done. Mum, where's my purple rucksack? Under the stairs. Thank you. 
Why are you going camping? No. Going to Germany. Coach leaving very soon. Wait. Better see you in Gill, Sam. Sorry, Dad, I've got to get on them slopes. Oh, no, not this again, no. Excuse me. Hang on. What am I going to tell your plastering teacher? Tell him I've made new plans. New plans? What plans? I'm going to be an Olympic ski jumper. And Eddie's vision was born. He wanted to become an Olympic ski jumper. And he devoted his life to that. And so five principles. The first principle is that you need a clear and compelling vision for your life. And here's the second one. You need people to invest in you and believe in you. Here's how the scripture says it. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter four, starting in verse nine, it says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one stay warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and they can conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. I can tell you this in my own life. I would not be where I'm at today if it weren't for people somewhere along the way who invested in me, who believed in me. I can tell you this, in the life of our little church, our church would not be here if it were not for my kid brother Aaron. Somewhere along the way, when I was much younger and much dumber, he believed in me. He invested in this church. He believed that I could become a pastor, that I could somehow help people take their next steps with God. Early in the life of our church, when we were still just a couple hundred people, we were struggling so bad and we could barely pay the bills, two men walked through our doors and, and they caught the vision of our church. They believed in, in doing church for the unchurched or doing church for people who didn't quite like church, right? They, they believed that we could create an environment that would help people take their next steps with God. Their names were Ken Bussell and Steve Burke. These two men they invested in me and, and they believed in the life of this church. They believed in, in the calling that God put on my heart and they got to work with me. They invested with me and this church would not be the same without them. And, and then somewhere along the way, this this lady saw how just disorganized I, I really am and, and she thought, you know, I could put some organization to his chaos. And, and so Angie Olson became my personal assistant and she's spent the last decade of her life trying to help me. She's invested in me. She's believed in me. My kids call her Miss Angie, but but she has helped put my life together in ways that, that have made me far more effective than I could be on my own. I could go on and on and talk about the people who've invested in me and believed in me. I could tell you about my mom who all of her life, she's been this incredible example of what it means to follow Jesus, and she's pushed me toward that. But there is no other partner in my life, nobody who has invested in me more or believed in me more than my wife, uh, Lynette. For nearly 30 years, she's partnered with me. She's lifted me up. She's been my best friend, and she's prayed with me and struggled with me all along the way. Friends, listen, we need people 
around us. We need people to invest in us. We need people to believe in us. We need people who will make us better. We need people who will mentor us and coach us and challenge us to become more than we are on our own. Sometimes those people will be our coach. Sometimes they will be a life mentor. Sometimes they will be a preacher in your life. Sometimes it will be somebody whose book you're reading or podcast you're listening to. Maybe it's just an example of a life that you're watching from afar. But you and I, we need people that will challenge us to become better. Well, Eddie learns this. He figures at some point that he's gone as far as he can with this whole jumping thing. And that's when he meets ex-Olympian named Bronson Perry. And Bronson becomes, even though he has his own struggles, Bronson becomes a bit of a coach, bit of a mentor to young Eddie the Eagle. What is the jumping paradox? What? The jumping paradox, that thing you said a second ago. Okay, I'm gonna say this once. The foundation of any jump is what? Take off. Very good. Very good. The paradox is simultaneously stretching up and leaning into your descent. Okay, it's unnatural because you actually take off downwards, okay? Your body got to lean forward in order to give you the lift and like a wing of a bird. Just. Come on, man, be a wing of a bird. So, your skis go up, your legs go back, your body goes forward, and you go down all while falling through the air 70 miles per hour, man. Up, back, forward. What are you doing? I'm stopping. Up, back, forward, down. Up, back, forward, forward down. down. Say it. Up, back, forward, down. Exactly. Oh, fell in love with this sport, man. Started with this little baby, this little 15 meter little vixen. You managed to land that because it's meant to hook you into the sport, right? So otherwise, you wouldn't even bother trying. 40 meter, you, when you stack, you get bruised, which I don't need to explain to you. <laughs> Sorry. The 70 meter, you break bones, and you're lucky if you can walk again. The 90 meter, the goddess. Let's just say in the Wild West, we'd be measuring you for your coffin before you even reach the stairs. Never forget that, kid. The good news is once Bronson came into Eddie's life, not only did Eddie's ski game go up, but Bronson's life went up. You see, the truth is we need these mentors. We need people to push us. Maybe in your own life, you've let some dreams just settle. You've let a vision for your life just kind of go by the wayside. Maybe you've always dreamed of writing a book, but you just... You've just never made the time for it. Maybe the vision for your life is to become free from this habit called smoking and, and you've stopped stopping. You've stopped trying to stop. And maybe it's time that you need somebody to come alongside you and move you along. Maybe you want to get your soul cleaned up. Maybe you want your lust or your greed or your selfish ambitions to, to be reined in a little bit. Don't give up. So you need a clear and compelling vision for your life. You need, you need people to come alongside you and invest in you and, and, to, and to believe in you. But you also need something else. You need a willingness to fail. 
You have to be willing to try if you're going to succeed. You've got to be willing to fail if you are ever going to succeed in life. We like to say it around here that you have to be able to risk much in order to reach more. If you're ever going to reach more with your life, if you're going to ever reach higher with your life, better with your life, then you have to be able to risk. You have to be willing to fail. I know that sounds crazy because we want to play it safe. Everybody always says, take the safe course, take the easy course. But there is something in overcoming. There is something in risk taking that helps us to become better. And nobody knew this better than a man named Peter. He's a man in the Bible. He is a follower of Jesus. He becomes known as one of the disciples. And God used this man in tremendous ways. But, but Peter understood this idea of risk taking. Peter understood this idea of, of being willing to fail. Uh, as a matter of fact, you might know a, uh, a story, a very famous story about a boat trip Peter took one day. Now, Peter is this fisherman. This is his life. He understands the water. And he's out with his crew uh, in the middle of this giant lake. And he's, he's fishing. And the storm arises. And it's a terrifying storm. And they are afraid. And, and in the middle of this storm, this gets crazy, I know. But Jesus comes walking on the water in the middle of of the storm toward their boat. Now, I get it right here is where many of you who have trouble believing in the whole God thing, this is where you, you check out. But don't check out because listen, I know it sounds crazy that Jesus is walking on water, but if he is God, if he is the son of God, if he is God made flesh, then this is not really that big of a deal. So if we can accept that he is God made flesh, we can accept him walking on water. We call this a miracle. We call this the power of God on display in Jesus' life. And so Peter sees Jesus coming toward him and he reacts to this and, and Jesus does something crazier. He calls Peter out of the boat to walk toward him. And guess what Peter does? He literally takes one of his legs and throws it over the side of the boat. And then he takes his other leg and throws it over the side of the boat. And for a moment, it's recorded that Peter walked toward Jesus on water, that he moved toward Jesus. And, and then all of a sudden it says that, that though he was moving toward Jesus, though he had his eyes on Jesus, he started to notice the, uh, the waves. He started to notice the storm and, and he lost his focus and, and he began to sink. Now listen, we, we concentrate on his sinking part. We, we often say, man, that's kind of crazy. You're out there walking on water. You're moving toward Jesus. Why would you ever take your eyes off Jesus? He failed. He failed. He failed. No, 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 no. Listen. One of the lessons we learned from Peter is that if you're going to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. If you're going to walk on water, you got to risk drowning. You got to risk sinking, right? This is something that we learn, and this is something that Eddie learned. Everything okay? Yeah, fine, just getting ready. Never done it before. Honestly. Could you give me a push, please? A push? Mmm. It's a lot higher than I expected it to be. Oh, wait! Don't make your leg! 
Peary was the most naturally gifted ski jumper I ever trained. And he's also my biggest disappointment. He should have been my greatest champion, but his focus was not always on the mountain. He never understood that a true Olympian was not just about a God-given skill set. It's about never giving up, no matter what. Knowing that doing your best is the only option, even if it results in failure. And this is my hope for you, that you won't give up that you will fight through, that you will keep moving forward. Listen, all great stories, all great successes come through a series of pain and setbacks in their life. All great success comes through this thing called struggle. It's normal. And this really leads us to, to our next principle that we need to get into our thinking. And that is that we need an unyielding commitment to the vision. We have to be locked in. We have to be determined. We have to be persistent. We we have to decide that we're going to do the hard work. We're going to fight through it and, and that we're going to just put our all into it. As a matter of fact, here's what it says in the book of Proverbs. It says that a lazy man wants much, but ends up getting very little. They have a desire to achieve great things, but, but in the end, they, they get very little because they're lazy, because they don't do the hard work. What we're gonna learn is that if you're gonna have a vision, a clear and compelling vision, that, that if, you, if there's something that you wanna do that other people think that you can't do, then you're gonna have to work hard. You're gonna have to work your butt off to make it happen. It also says this in the book of Proverbs, that wise words bring many benefits, and hard work brings great reward. We want to be a people who are going to work hard. If you're going to achieve anything, you have got to have this unyielding commitment to the vision. It is going to take downright hard work to make it happen. I love the quote, hard work needs talent when talent doesn't work hard. Ben Franklin said it like this, it's 10% inspiration, 90% perspiration. He was saying that success is more about the hard work than it is even the idea in the first place. And Eddie figures this out. to the sport. Really? Good. Personal best! And we're a disgrace! 
Eddie worked hard. He worked really hard. He was determined to make his vision come true. But the thing that we're going to learn in this movie is that the Olympic team, the, the British Olympic headquarters you know kept him out of the team they didn't want him participating they just thought he was a loser they thought he was odd and that he was not really an athlete but but eddie was determined so he not only did he work hard but he also used his brains he he studied and he found that there was this loophole in the qualifying rules and and he learned that if he if he simply jumped 61 meters at an official event that he was automatically going to be included in the olympics and so after a lot of tries, he finally makes his 61 meter jump. And here he comes. Oh my word, this is his first speech. That is a big jump. That is very big. It's over 100 meters. Definitely see him this time, love. Yeah. Falling on his ass. The wonderful gentleman from Great Britain, number 24, Eddie Edwards. There he comes, Britain's Michael Eddie Edwards. Come on, Eddie. Terry, love, he's about to jump. Come on. A relative newcomer to the sport. Not a lot of information about him. Never have experienced an atmosphere like this before, that's for sure. He's the first for me to be commentating on a British ski jumper at the Olympics, and let's hope he's the first of many. would be something of an understatement, but it obviously works for him. And the scoreboard shows 60.5 meters. It is a new British Olympic record. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm a British... British... Mum! Mum, I love you! British record! I love you, too, son. I'm a British record holder! Yes! <laughs> And look at the young man. He's overjoyed with himself. Oh, and the crowd are loving this. He's really getting them going. Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> this is not funny, no.
And that's when Eddie became Eddie the Eagle. He was obviously the worst jumper in the Olympics, but his personality and his passion, it won the crowd over. But Eddie wanted to be remembered more than just as a sideshow. He wanted to be remembered as a real Olympian athlete. And so he was determined to take even bigger risks. And that leads us to our fifth and final principle. You need faith to take risks. And the bigger the risk, the more faith is required. Here's what it says in the book of, of Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. It's such a powerful verse, such a compelling verse. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You can work hard, you can have a great vision, but it requires something more. It requires faith. There are certain things in your life that you will never be able to overcome without God in the dead middle of it all. A God-sized dream requires God. A God-sized change requires God. A God-sized hope in your life requires God. If there is an addiction that you're struggling with that you have been trying to overcome all your life, you would have already overcome it if you could overcome it on your own. You need faith. You need faith. You need God in the middle of it all. You need God's work, God's power, God moving you to become something that other people think that you cannot become. Some things are God-sized in your life. And you know what they are. Those, those are those things that you've wrestled with all of your life. Those are those things that have haunted you all of your life. Those are those things that you, you try to beat down, that you try to change, that you try to, try to grow in, but you just can't on your own. You need God in the middle of those things because they are God-sized. As a matter of fact, someone once said it like this, that, that the size of your dream is determined by the size of your faith. Think about that. There's a lot of truth in that. seen you on TV? Yeah, we all saw you, man. And? <laughs> and what? And what did you think? You still think I made the wrong decision? They love me. You confirmed all my fears, Eddie. No one is taking you seriously. You are nothing but a sideshow. And the very minute that 90-meter competition starts, you'll be forgotten. Okay, so enjoy your 15 minutes of fame. Well, don't hold back, will you? You ask for the truth, bud. Thank you all for coming. I'm not deluded. I know there are plenty of athletes more deserving of publicity than me. 
and I would like to apologise if my silly antics have cast a shadow over their achievements. I also know that I was messing around a little bit after the 70 metre jump the other day. I was very excited. But I take jumping very seriously. In fact, I love it. I love it very nearly as much as proving people wrong. Which is why I, I've decided to compete in the 90 metres. What? I, I, wait, I don't... I know I'd originally only intended to jump the 70 metres. But as people much wiser than me say, competing in the Olympics doesn't mean anything if you sell yourself short. I didn't come here as a novelty act. And I will not be going home as well. Thank you for your time. Just saying the Wild West would be measuring you for your coffin before you even reach the stairs. Eddie the Eagle. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a ring to it, I guess. Wow. I thought you said I was a fool. Yeah, well, an old friend helped me see things differently. What's with the fluff, man? You having a crisis of confidence? Isn't it? Fluff, this is a mustache. <laughs> is that what you call it? Yeah. Nice jacket. What happened to the other one? Well, I got rid of it. Really? For now. It's cold, let me tell you. So is this the bit where you say I told you so? No. This is where I say that without the booze, I wouldn't even have the guts to do that, John. As your coach, I think you're crazy. I don't know what I was thinking. But as your friend, I say you gotta do it. This is your moment. I need a practice jump. What do, you, what do you need to know you don't know already? It's higher than you jumped before. You're going to go faster than you've ever gone before. You're going to fly farther than your tiny little brain can handle, but it's just a jump. Yeah, simple. Eddie, listen. You got more dedication, you got more heart and spirit than any of those other jumpers out there. Any of them. I mean, Jesus, I spent six months trying to get rid of you, dude. You're like gum on my shoe. You never gave up. I mean, you're going to give up now? At the Olympics? This is your moment. You're ready to eagle, man. I don't know what God is stirring in you, but I know there's something. I don't know what he's calling you to, moving you toward, but I know there is something. You need a clear and compelling vision for your life. You need to figure out what you want to do. You need to figure out what's the very next thing for you and you need to go for it. And you need to have people come alongside you. You have to have people who are, are willing to invest in you, who believe in you. You can't do it alone. It's impossible to do it alone. And you have to be willing to fail. You have to be willing to fall flat on your face because if you don't try, you will never succeed. If you don't try, uh, you'll never become all that people think that you cannot become. 
You have to try, you have to have this willingness to fail and you have to have this unyielding commitment to the vision. You have to work hard, you have to go for it and you have to keep going for it. Even when you fail a hundred times, you have to get up and go for it again and again and again. And let me tell you something, friends, you need to depend on God. You need to trust God. You gotta get to know him. You gotta have his spirit at work in your life. You gotta invite him in to take leadership of your life, to take ownership of your life. You need to have a God-sized faith in order to take on the risk of changing anything in your life. So that's my hope for you, that you will learn to fly wherever it is that God's calling you to, that you'll take your next steps, that you won't be afraid. Listen, we're not getting any younger. It's time that we apply some of these leadership thinkings, these these personal growth things to our life. They're what God wants for us. Now is your time.